in beautiful North Florida celebrating two years of color commentary, it's in black and white. And now your host, the baby-faced assassin of freedom, Jerry Brooks. Gentlemen, boys and girls, patriots of all ages, welcome to In Black and Right, doing a Saturday special. Yep, uh, going to be doing a lot more of these as the 2024 election continues uh, right down the track and watching the Trump train uh, travel at warp speed. Yep, it's going to be a crazy one, but... Uh, over the last few days, having to deal with some health-related issues and just some of the most amazing news that's happened in quite a while. I mean, what can you do, folks? If you're a Joe Biden supporter, or if you're Joe Biden himself, you, or if you're a Democrat, or a Rhino Republican, or if you're Nikki Haley... Y'all had a really bad week. And I not just a bad day, but a very bad week. And I will definitely get into that in uh, today's special edition of the program. Uh, but today, earlier today as a matter of fact, uh, President Trump continuing uh, on the Trump train. Next stop, South Carolina specifically Conway, South Carolina, the home of Coastal Carolina University. And as per usual, and, and I mean, not just because it's South Carolina, but it happens all the time. But again, it was just packed inside, packed outside. I mean, they had jumbotron screens. Not everybody could get in, but something that did happen that you don't normally see at a Trump rally is that the man himself actually addresses the overflow crowd before he gave uh, his usual vintage stemwinder speech this afternoon. And well, what you what the folks got outside before the fun started on the inside, no difference. Lots of energy, lots of enthusiasm, just passion. The folks went bonkers. Uh, I mean, shoot, I'll let you hear it for yourselves. I want to thank everybody. This is incredible. You know, we took what was known as a big arena. It's not too big because you can't. We'll have to do another one. We'll come back soon. We'll get everybody in. But... In the meantime, I hear you have screens. Do they have screens? Yes. They have big screens where you can watch. I wish you could come in. I just want to thank this state. It's been so incredible. Your governor, your lieutenant governor, Russell, thank you very much, have been so, so incredible. It's been so incredible. So we have a country that's failing. We have a country that we feel very badly about. 
Four years ago, we were a great nation. Today, we're a nation that's being laughed at, and we're not going to stand for it. We're going to win in November. We're going to turn our country around. It's going to be greater than ever before. The spirit that I've seen, so we did great in 2016. We won. We did much better in 2020. We got screwed. It's a rigged election. But we're not going to let that happen. We are, there is more spirit now. Look at the scene. I mean, we're 10 months away. There is, there is more spirit now than there was in 2016 or 2020. I just want to thank everybody. So I'm going in to make a speech. You can watch it out here. But I'm coming back, and we're going to make one where everybody can get in. We'll get the biggest arena or the biggest piece of land or we'll take over an airport or something but we'll get everybody here and we're going to get them all in or we're going to get them on and we're going to give the best speech you've ever heard i want to just look i just have to thank you your governor's been a friend of mine for a long time i don't want to say it too loud but the fact is it was more important to get Henry McMaster to be governor than it was to have her at the United Nations, I have to be honest. And he did a much better job. So, again, thank you. I'm going to speak, you're going to listen, and I'm going to come back and we're going to get everybody into that arena. We'll have to, maybe we'll have to build a new arena because this was supposed to be the biggest one. Or we'll just simply have it outdoors. Thank you all very much. We love you. Go and vote. So. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that was Trump outside talking to the overflow crowd. <laughs> amazing. Nothing short of amazing. And inside, I watched the speech. The same energy that was outside was there on the inside for the folks who were able to get in. I mean, but the thing that I loved watching about this particular Trump rally of, and I mean, they're all amazing. There's tons of energy, but what I really loved seeing from the coverage that I saw was there were an awful lot of young people, Gen Zers, college kids who are from, I mean, some of the most blue states on the East Coast. Uh, I saw kids from Maryland, Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, who come to the, who are going to the school there uh, in the South because it's there's freedom there, and you don't have to deal with some of the ridiculous prices that they charge for some of these elite Northeastern schools. And they're all for Trump. That was the real mind blower head scratcher to me. And these aren't dumb kids. They were very informed on the issues. Many of them talked about the border, the invasion at the border, uh, talking about crime and all this illegal immigrant crime and so forth. Uh, it was pretty amazing listening to these kids. I mean, sure, they're young. You know, they were probably... I mean, these some of these kids were up. <laughs> I mean, all night partying or whatever, but they still made it. They still made it to the, uh, to, to the rally. 
So, yes. And I, I loved in his remarks <laughs> that he made outside, those remarks, he did not mention Bird Brain Tricky Nikki by name. She, he, all he said was her or she or whatever pronoun she's. Uh, but anyway, but yes, uh, Trump is just a force to be reckoned with. He is. And what was even crazier <laughs> this week when Nikki Haley thought, and the mainstream media wanted this, they wanted Nikki Haley to win the Nevada primary so stinking bad even though it didn't count towards delegates, but they wanted something, they wanted a headline. And the headline they got was not the one they wanted. Nikki Haley, if you didn't hear, she lost the Nevada primary to none of the above by a two to one margin. 60 plus percent of people said, mm, nope, we didn't want any of them. Now, and Trump wasn't even on the ballot. That's the part that made me just laugh so hard, I almost busted a gut. Now, you know you've got a problem, folks, if you're the only one on a ballot who's made, who's the only one who's active, but you get beat out by none of the above and by a landslide? Trust me. You know you got a problem. That's a big problem. It was so embarrassing. And yet, I don't think Nikki Haley can continue with her delusion of, oh, I'm going to gain all this momentum. Honey, did you not see what happened in the primary, which didn't even count anyway, and Trump still beat you even though he wasn't on the ballot? <laughs> and Thursday night, watching President Trump in Las Vegas at the victory party that he got for the Nevada Republican Caucus, which was the one that actually counted, and he got all 26 of the delegates by a historic 99% of the vote. 99% of the vote. And what's even crazier, Trump got a two for one on Thursday. He not only won the Nevada caucus, Republican caucus, by a record amount, he won the U.S. Virgin Islands uh, caucus with 100% of the vote. And what's even crazier about that, the Virgin Islands uses ranked choice voting, which is pretty rank to begin with, but he still won. The man is on a roll that is historic. And two weeks from today, when the South Carolina Republican primary uh, takes place, Trump's going to add one more uh, to his uh, winning margin. Now, of course, uh, delusional Nick, bird brain Nikki Haley still wants to stay in the race, uh, even though she knows that she's going to get her butt kicked in her own home state where she was governor. But... She wants to continue on to Super Tuesday, which is March 5th. And <laughs> every single report that I have read, Trump is kicking butt all over the place in every major Super Tuesday state. 
every one of them, according to the polls. I mean, no, no doubt. I don't expect Nikki Haley to win a single one of these Super Tuesday states. Ah, and it's going to be crazy. But still, you know, every Nikki has been exposed. She's been totally exposed. People know. And the fact that somehow she can pull the same type of tricks that the Democrats do, you know, no, sorry, Nikki, honey. We, we, know, we know who you are. We know at least some of who's funding you. And, and, it's not go and it's done you no good so far, and it's going to do you even less good when your home state elects Donald Trump, I fully expect, by a landslide. <laughs> I fully expect it. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, like I said, the South Carolina Republican primary is in two weeks on the 24th, so we're going to see... Uh, what happens, because Trump will be back, uh, and I'm sure two weeks from tonight, he's going to be having a huge party somewhere in South Carolina when all the results come in. So, on a different note, now, of course, some of the other big news this week was not good for Joe Biden. Not even close. And it absolutely blew my mind uh, when Robert Herr, who's the appointed special counsel uh, for the uh, Biden classified documents uh, fiasco, um, oh my gosh, I, I never expected, I truly never expected what I heard in hers report and I will be uploading the full report on inblackandright.net uh, so you can read the whole thing in its entirety and it was crazy now I just want to read a uh, this is from the report from Robert Hur's report this is from the special counsel and it's it's not very it's not a very long section, but this needs to be read. And this is why Joe Biden made his already bad situation even worse with that crazy hastily called press conference he did, where he started getting into it with reporters. I mean he was yelling at reporters and oh my goodness. Oh, I, I mean, I look at this and I just was so blown away that it, even though it took over three years, you now have the mainstream media really talking about Joe Biden, his age, his mental acuity. But this is one of the sections that just blew my mind. And I never thought I would hear a Merrick Garland appointed special prosecutor say anything like this in regards to Biden's memory. And I quote from the special counsel's report. In his interview with our office, Mr. Biden's memory was worse. He did not remember when he was vice president. 
were getting on the first day of the interview when his term ended. If it was 2013, when did I stop being vice president? And that's in parentheses. And forgetting on the second day of the interview when his term began. Again, this uh, is in parentheses and a quote from Biden. In 2009, am I still vice president? That was just wild. But anyway, he continuing from the report. He did not remember even within several years when his son Bo died and his memory appeared hazy when describing the Afghanistan debate that was once so important to him. Among other things, he mistakenly said he, quote unquote, had a real difference of, of opinion with General Carl Eikenberry, when in fact Eikenberry was an ally whom Mr. Biden cited approvingly in his Thanksgiving memo to President Obama. In a case where the government must prove that Mr. Biden knew he had possession of the classified Afghanistan documents after the vice presidency and chose to keep those documents, knowing that he was violating the law, we expect that at trial his attorneys would emphasize these limitations in his recall. That's it. That's from the Robert Herr Special Counsel Report. And apparently, since Biden was so dadgum livid about it, I don't know what or who was responsible for him going out there uh, on that hastily called press conference. And it was just nuts. It was, I almost really wanted to feel bad for him, but I couldn't. This is sad. Now, of course, we have Robert Hur saying that Biden willfully knew he had documents he wasn't supposed to have, all the way back to the time he was a U.S. senator. But he wasn't supposed to have them as a senator. He wasn't supposed to have them as vice president. And now that he is, I guess, president, Still, that doesn't excuse it. That is a major violation of the National Security Act. I mean, you heard everything about his garage and his home in Wilmington. They were just strewn about. There, there was no security at all, or very, very little. On the people who had access to that was probably a list longer than anybody will ever admit to. So yeah, this is going to be really funky, folks. This is going to be really stinking funky. Uh, and now, the case in the classified, at least with the classified documents case, Jack Smith, or Jack Smith, whichever you prefer, he's going to have a real problem. Because if Robert Herr, the special counsel, wasn't going to charge Biden in the case which is really stupid, then when he wasn't president or vice, when he wasn't president, if he's going to get off scot-free because he is a sympathetic elderly man with a poor memory, then why 
in the Sam Hell is Trump getting uh, us pretty much getting put through the ringer when he was actually president. He has the protections of the Presidential Records Act, and yes, his documents were quite secure at Mar-a-Lago with locked doors, uh, Secret Service protection around the clock, and highly restricted access. This case is just giving all kinds of arguments for Trump's legal team. And that's pretty bad. And that's, and that's not all, folks. That is not all. You had the Senate and its monstrosity of a FUBAR border bill, which was so bad when it was released, the text of it released to the public, people pretty much melted the phone on Capitol Hill. It was crazy. And you even had, I mean, the fact that you had Republicans like James Langford of Oklahoma, that was a that was a head that was a head scratcher to me. Major league head scratcher because doesn't Langford understand the folks of Oklahoma? Oklahoma's a red state. A very conservative state. I have a ton of great friends who live there. What the Sam hell was that guy thinking? I mean, seriously. And now it was so bad that they that it died on the Senate floor. They didn't have enough votes for cloture, so now they took the darn thing, and now they're trying to bring back a sort of let's now it's a foreign aid package. But the problem is the $95 billion in it, $60 billion of it, $60 billion plus, about two-thirds, goes to the Ukraine. And frankly, let me tell you, right now, the Ukraine is a fully goofed-up situation. I mean, it is Fifty Shades of Fubar. They are in meltdown. You have protests right now that want Zelensky out that they want him out and yet here we are over here in DC wanting to give these clowns an extra 60 billion dollars that's throwing good money after bad especially when you've got a situation where uh, one of the top generals who's loved by the Ukrainian people got the boot by Zelensky so right there this whole mess is just nuts it's just nuts with this and now they want to come with this foreign aid this foreign aid package yes uh 95 billion dollars almost two-thirds of it going to ukraine which is a mess israel that could probably use it and taiwan same but what's noticeably absent is any money to secure the stinking southern border. Hello. How brain dead is the Senate? They There's not a whole lot of support for funding the Ukraine in the House, especially amongst the Republicans. 
Now, sure, the Democrats would love to give all that money to the Ukraine, but frankly, you know, forget it. Just, it's a mess. You can't give $60 billion to a country that's in full-blown meltdown? That's stupid. But we aren't exactly dealing with uh, major league geniuses there in Congress, but that's beside the point. But, of course, another bad day for the Democrats was at the Supreme Court. Yes, folks, the Supreme Court was finally taking up oral arguments for the Colorado ballot case. You trying to use the 14th Amendment, uh, Section 3, to try to disqualify President Trump from the Colorado ballot and uh, other states trying to do same like the state of Maine. But I had to dig a little bit to find how, why this argument is ridiculous. It's very legal, very constitutional. This is Grant Stinchfield from Real America's Voice on his program January 5th of this year laying out the case of why the insurrection clause doesn't apply to President Trump or frankly anyone else. And I'll play this and and it's very, very real, very, very constitutional. But why it was never really brought up in the oral arguments, I don't know, but still. Anyway, let's hear Mr. Stinchfield. May 22nd, 1872, Congress repealed the Insurrection Clause, making the 14th Amendment, Section 3, null and void. Two-thirds of both the House and the Senate voted to declare, you ready my quote here, all political disabilities imposed by the third section of the 14th Article of Amendments of the Constitution of the United States are hereby removed from all persons whomsoever. You see that? They know and voided it. When you look at the 14th Amendment, Section 3, we all focus on the line that reads, No person shall hold office if, and I quote, they have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But apparently, the last line, and the last time anyone read the last line of the insurrection clause, was way back in the late 19th century. It reads, but because Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. And that, folks, is exactly what the House and Senate did back in 1872. It rendered the Insurrection Clause obsolete. And because it is obsolete, it can't be used to bar anyone from office, much less President Trump. Apparently, the courts and deceitful politicians that weaponized them forgot about this important legislation passed nearly 152 years ago. So the reality is, I can prove to you that President Trump is not an insurrectionist. I can prove to you the presidency isn't even listed in the 14th Amendment as an office to be barred from holding. I can prove to you that double jeopardy applies to President Trump after the left's failed impeachment of him. I can also prove to you that President Trump's due process rights have all been trampled. 
Some bureaucrat can't punish you for a crime you've not been convicted of, much less charged with. But I don't have to do any of that now. Because once again, Congress rendered the insurrection clause null and void. So for one more time, let me read chapter 193 of the 42nd Congress back in 1872. Be it enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled that all political disabilities imposed by the third section of the 14th article of the amendments of the Constitution of the United States are hereby removed from all persons whomsoever. And if you still don't believe that that holds weight, let me tell you this. That legislation allowed President Ulysses S. Grant to offer this proclamation to any office holder being charged under the insurrection clause after the Civil War. He ordered the cases to be dismissed, writing, I, Ulysses S. Grant, President of the United States, do hereby direct all district attorneys having charge of such proceedings and prosecutions to dismiss and discontinue the same. This, folks, is about as cut and dry as it gets. It's a slam dunk argument that will crush the radical left and restore President Trump's right to be on the ballot. Yep. 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 That's Grant Stinchfield was brilliant. Sadly, he was one of the few people who was actually bringing up that piece of legislation that took place back in the 1870s. I mean, my gosh, we shouldn't have had the oral arguments in this case because some, uh, yes, there was one and only one uh, group that filed an amicus brief with the high court and that was the Public, public Interest Legal Foundation. They filed an amicus brief with the court on this very case. Now, President Trump's lawyer, Jonathan Mitchell, did a pretty darn good job uh, when he presented his oral arguments to the high court, but I'm truly surprised that he didn't uh, bring this particular piece up because it is 100% constitutional, 100% legal. But, well, apparently the case, the, the case has been adjourned by the high court uh, and they will be making a decision on that pretty soon. Now, of course, you could end up having, uh, you know, I would love to see a nine to nothing decision in favor of President Trump, but it could be eight to one or seven to two at the most. But still, it's a case that frankly was a waste. And even people like Elena Kagan, Justice Kagan and Katanji Brown Jackson had uh, their own sort of doubts, their own sort of questioning to uh, the lawyer who was representing Colorado. And it, it was wild. But this is the high court. And yes, this is an election year. And they may not want to ha deal with it, but this is an issue that needs to be settled like right here and right now. Because no Secretary of State, no, uh, no court 
be it even a state Supreme Court, has the right to remove anyone off of a ballot except Congress. And they did that long before the 20th century. So yeah, th this case really should be a slam dunk, nine to nothing decision, but you know, given the politics and all this other stuff going on, who knows? You, you, you really don't know, but still, it's a very good, very sound argument uh, for this. Seriously. So, and I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving this. And even Cash Patel on the day of the oral, oral arguments a few days ago said that we find, quote, we finally found a constitutional court that is willing to follow the law, end quote. Well, hello. There, there you go, folks. There you go. So, yes, there is a whole lot of crap going on. A whole lot of it. But all the cases that are going against Trump, they're all falling apart. They are all falling apart. I mean, my goodness. Perfect example. Let's go to Atlanta. Fannie Willis uh, is... <laughs> Oh, mana. This is crazy. One of Trump's co-defendants, a guy named Michael Roman, offers eyewitness account Fannie Willis lied to the court about when her illicit affair with Nathan Wade began. This is from uh, Gateway, the Gateway Pundit. So this is just crazy. Uh, how much... <laughs> I mean, it was so bad she had to admit of her adulterous affair with Nathan Wade and has done everything she possibly can to somehow uh, her innocence and how terrible it is and she's, you know, they're going after me because I'm a black woman with power. It's like, no, ding dong. Look, Fanny. They're going after you because you're a corrupt black woman in an adulterous affair with a married man who just got divorced. And here you both are spending all kinds of money on such lavish trips. You're a money launderer, an adulteress, and frankly a liar and going to a black church to somehow play the race card, the victim card, and the woman card all at the same time. Girlfriend, it doesn't matter that you're a black woman. You're an adulteress, you're corrupt, and frankly, you need to either resign or you need to be given the boot. Now, of course, this is going to depend upon uh, the, George, the Georgia State Legislature or Governor Brian Kemp, and it's been pretty sad that they don't have the stones or the steel in their spine to do the right thing because they don't want to be called racist. I said, this isn't racism. This is called transparency. Do you not know what the difference is? I don't know. But anyway, yeah, the, the whole Trump 
legal strategy, uh, and they're going and all these cases in uh, Florida, in Georgia, in New York. I mean, the civil the judge in the civil fraud case is old, white, decrepit, perverted, and his wife's got a foul mouth dropping f bombs on social media about Trump. And no, and Letitia James. Oh no, your day's coming, girlfriend. Trust me on that one. Your day is coming because you are just as corrupt as the judge in that civil fraud case. Alvin Bragg doesn't have anything to brag about considering he was the district attorney who let the illegal immigrants who beat up two New York City police officers go with no bail. No, I'm sorry, no bail. And they gave a double one-fingered salute to the cameras. This is the world we're living in, and it's tough. I'm sorry. Stop pulling out the victim card, girlfriend, because you're not a victim. You are corrupt, period. End of discussion on that note. So, yeah, Trump is having a pretty darn good week and the cases the legal action that are against him they're falling apart they are absolutely unraveling before their very eyes and it's the same with biden so this is going to be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks or maybe months because there's not going to be a trial in dc before super tuesday that's out the window because the presidential immunity case that went before the Supreme Court has not been resolved yet. They, they've made no decision. And, well, let's see what happens there, too. So this is one of those to-be-continued kind of sagas, but that's okay. But, my friends, I'm going to call it a day, or actually call it a weekend, but, hey, remember... Tomorrow is Super Bowl Sunday in Las Vegas. We've got the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending champions, going against the San Francisco 49ers, who they uh, went against in uh, 2020. So this is going to be interesting to see that game. So I'm just going to be taking tomorrow and enjoying the, fo the, enjoying the football game and whatever else. Probably won't watch the uh, halftime show, but... Anyway, but still, if you're going to be watching the game, hey, have a good time. Don't go too crazy on the beer and alcohol. And just take care of yourselves and be safe out there. So, for now, and always remember to, and I still encourage you folks, to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we're going to have some pretty decent shows uh, next week. Uh and we're going to be actually doing a Rumble video that you can find uh, starting uh, Monday afternoon. So we're going to have ourselves a pretty good week of adventures and broad podcasting, I should say. Well, broadcasting too. It's okay. Life is pretty good. And as always, just before I forget, you can always contact us by email at inblackandright at gmail.com. Or you can check out our website in blackandright.net. So, 
Happy Super Bowl Eve, everybody. I will be back with y'all on Monday. So in the meantime, as always, remember, Patriots come in all colors.